Welcome to Empower Half an Hour, a mental health podcast that brings firsthand interviews and testimonies to you. Hello, everyone. My name is Brandon Spatz, and I'm your host of Empower Half an Hour. Today, we have Jack Yatsko, the Chief Operating Officer of Clubhouse International. Jack has been with Clubhouse International for 20 years, and his career in mental health spans for 36 years. Jack works closely with our international training centers and facilities for Clubhouse development. He helps develop new clubhouses and provides technical assistance to many existing clubhouses and groups or individuals seeking to learn more about the clubhouse model. He began his clubhouse career in Hawaii in 1989 at Friendship House on the island of Kauai. Jack continues to reside on the island of Kauai, although his travels take him across the globe. Jack has a master's degree in social work. Welcome to the show, Jack. Hey, great to be here with you, Brandon. It's great to have you join us today. I wanted to start off by saying that I'm a huge supporter of your organization, Clubhouse International. I credit the Clubhouse model with getting me into recovery from my mental health disorder. I've seen so many good things from Clubhouse International, and I want to thank you for all the hard work you do. Thank you for sharing that, Brandon. That's that's pretty powerful. Um, Even the the name of your podcast, Empower Half Hour, um, I think it's apropos for what we do in our work, which is empower people to reintegrate back into society uh, in whatever way they feel comfortable with. So it's great to hear that... uh, the work that uh, Clubhouse International and the Miracle Clubhouse is doing is making an impact in your life. Absolutely, in so many other people's lives as well. Um, so I wanted to start off by just asking you, um, when you were a college student, what influenced you to go into the mental health field? I actually, well, first off, my my mom had a mental illness, um, but it wasn't one of those um, kinds of situations where she was at home. She was able to work, um, and she... I mean, this is back in the day, too, where she called it uh, her nerve pill, Um, because even then, like, you didn't want to say anything about psychotropic medication or things of that nature. So that that influenced me a bit. Um, I had a dual major of social worker and communications. Um, I actually went to Ohio University in Athens, Ohio, for my undergrad. Uh, But I always was impacted by um, working with nonprofits and and, kind of um, the underdog sort of thing. Um, having a, a feel for working with um, folks that are a lot of times marginalized and stigmatized by society and deserve a fair shake. And that's what kind of got me motivated to get into this work uh, along with, you know, some family connections. Just growing up with a parent that has a mental health disorder is hard. Then having the added stigma from it not being talked about a lot back then. It was a great decision that you made going into mental health, being that you already had a connection to it. Tell me a little bit about your career goals. Right now, um, my career goals are kind of aligned with the strategic plan and goal of Clubhouse International, uh, which in a lot of my work is scaling up. 
meaning developing and growing and sustaining more clubhouses globally. Right now, we have 334 clubhouse programs like the Miracle Clubhouses operating in 32 countries. And there's such a need across the globe. Um, there, this model has proven uh, to be an evidence-based practice in helping people with the mental illness with their recovery goals. And uh, there's a great demand and need for it. So our my goals, I, I work in a variety of areas of Clubhouse International. Uh, but a, a primary area is in expansion and growth. And so that that's probably 1A of um, a number of goals that we have but in the work that I'm involved with is scaling up and getting more clubhouses uh, around the globe, particularly right now in Ohio. It, it's really an exciting time because there's been three clubhouse programs in Ohio and, and Dayton, Columbus, and Cleveland for a while. But uh, with some recent funding from the Ohio Department of Mental Health and the work of the Ohio Clubhouse Ohio, the, the coalition of clubhouses, there's been funding for seven additional clubhouses in Ohio. So we're going to uh, uh, more than triple the amount of clubhouses going from three to ten in, in short order here. So that's that's very exciting. It's a very needed program and resource for me being in Ohio and being a member of the Miracle Clubhouse in Dayton. I'm extremely grateful for all the additional new clubhouses coming to Ohio. I actually just went to the new clubhouse in Cincinnati, Ohio, known as Queen City Clubhouse that opened in August. It was an amazing thing. I walked in and had a conversation with the member there. One of the things I already knew from the Miracle Clubhouse was how it changes people's lives and how they get into recovery. The first time I talked to the members of Queen City Clubhouse, they had some of the same experience and the same love for Clubhouse and the Clubhouse model as the members of Miracle Clubhouse. And it's incredible that it seems every Clubhouse you go to, it has the same recovery value and impact on the members. Yeah, I think what holds that framework in place, Brandon, is the international standards for clubhouse programs. So those 37 standards, uh, which are on our website, um, they're flexible enough to really be culturally applicable. So while we have clubhouses in Cape Town, South Africa, we have them in Brisbane, Australia, and we have now three in Ohio, soon to be 10, those standards are really the underlying principles and beliefs of the model. And I, I tell you, Brandon, I've been to close to 200 clubhouses. And what you just said about hearing from other members about the clubhouse changing their life, I usually hear that statement. And I hear members say constantly, this clubhouse not only changed my life, it saved my life. And we take those words very seriously in our work at Clubhouse International to make each day count and to make each email, phone call, Zoom call, uh, whatever our work is, um, to really matter and, and to have a sense of urgency in our work uh, because there, we see the difference that it makes, we hear about the difference, and we see it in research results as well. It isn't just the um, uh, the stories that we hear, but it's also evidence-based research that shows reductions in hospitalizations, reduce, reductions in the criminal justice system. Um, so not only is the clubhouse a really good service, for people with their recovery goals, it's also a cost-effective service. So if a community um, is interested in starting a clubhouse, um, I think we can make the case, so to speak, that it's not only an excellent service, but it's also um, a fiscally wise one um, for any community that wants to start one. 
Exactly. And especially the um, cost effectiveness of it, because a year at the clubhouse is cheaper than a week in the uh, psychiatric hospital. And it's it's so important because it can also when you get in that recovery stage from, you know, clubhouse, you can stay out of the hospital so much longer for a longer period of times. And I've seen so many people, myself, including that um before they came to Clubhouse, they were in and out of the hospital, you know, yearly. And it's, you can get that multiple year um, without the psychiatric hospital, which improves your life, improves the life of others as well. Now, when talking about the uh, growth of Clubhouse, how much are you projected to grow uh, number-wise in the next few years? That's a good question, Brandon, and one we're trying to figure out ourselves, too. Um, we have a lot of interest from people who want to start clubhouses, but um, how, how that is really grown from a vision to reality can vary in multiple places. We're working, for example, right now in India and in very uh, poverty-stricken areas uh, where there's very little government funding. And then we're working in areas like um Say Michigan now has 45 clubhouses and there's a lot of government support. Uh, so I don't, right now we are in, in the middle of a, a strategic planning exercise to identify exactly some numbers, whether that means doubling the amount of clubhouses in the next few years or tripling the amount of clubhouses. Um, I hate to, to state a, a specific number right now because we're right in the middle of an exercise doing that. But I can tell you that our board of directors is mission focused on, on, on that being one of our primary objectives right now. And, um, and we have over 60 new startup groups in 17 different countries. So I, you know, I, I think we'll be working with well over 40 countries in the not too distant future and, um, and scaling up the amount of clubhouses that we have. Um, I'm not sure, Brandon, too, if your audience knows full well what a what a clubhouse is. Do you want me to describe that in a quick nutshell? Absolutely. Over the past few episodes, we've mentioned clubhouse before, but if you could give us your own version of what a clubhouse is, that would be great. I'll give it the quick down and quick version. <laughs> Clubhouses are basically community resource centers for adults who have experienced a mental illness. And it's, it's a community resource center. So it's a place where people come to during the day. And the, the, the therapeutic milieu, if you will, we're not a clinically run service. Um, we're a psychiatric rehabilitation, these are psychiatric rehabilitation pro- programs that follow what we call a work order day. And these are really volunteer opportunities for people to join in, whether they're running a podcast, making lunch, doing a reach out to people in the community, creating a newsletter. Um, it, greeting people as they walk in the door, answering phones, uh, growing vegetables in the garden to help make lunch. Through this work order day milieu, relationships are formed between members and staff in a really a flat hierarchy and egalitarian structure in which members are empowered to be a part of the decision making in the clubhouse. They have leadership roles ranging from hiring and evaluating staff to being a part of the budgeting decisions. Uh, to really being involved in all aspects of the clubhouse. And these clubhouses operate these areas we call work units, and people will volunteer in those where they really build their confidence and skills and interests in thinking about career paths, going back to school, 
maybe moving out of a restrictive housing area into their own apartment. And so clubhouses are wide ranging in the support that they provide to members with whatever their recovery goals are to really reintegrate back into society, whether that be through friendships, employment, education, housing, uh, any number of areas. So that's the quick version of, of what a clubhouse is. And Clubhouse International is the coordinating center for these 334 clubhouses. And, and we coordinate training. Uh, we have 12 international training bases that clubhouses go to to receive training on the clubhouse model. We coordinate accreditation, which is a quality assurance program. We also are involved with public awareness, research, advocacy, expansion, and, and technical support of clubhouses. Um, and the whole range of areas that we provide support to our member clubhouses with. So that's the quick description of a clubhouse and the, a little bit of, about Clubhouse International. Definitely. It's such a unique program compared to any type of treatment that you'll get, you know, um, during your, your beginning of your mental health, um, you know, journey, because a lot of times, um, you're not ready for a clubhouse until you get to a certain point in your life. And when you're ready, you can honestly start going and it, you take off be in progress because it's, it's empowering you more than sometimes other programs in the, that you've experienced in the past, um, including the work order day. Yeah. And that's sometimes um, when we, so many well-intentioned case managers, therapists, psychiatrists, psychologists, um, Folks who are, could be potential referral sources for the clubhouse will think about the clubhouse like, well, is this for low-functioning people or high-functioning people? And we don't really get into that kind of vernacular. The clubhouse is for anybody who's experienced a mental illness. And really, bottom line, don't you don't have to make those judgments. Those judgments should be made by the person who visits the clubhouse. So, you know, I always say to people, don't hesitate to you know, encourage somebody to just come for a tour of the Dayton Clubhouse or wherever you're at, if there's a clubhouse in your community, um, giving the person the opportunity to experience the clubhouse themselves and make the decision of whether they want to join it or not should should be afforded to them. It, it, we don't really get into these boxes of um, uh, in that language of high functioning or low function. We have people in clubhouses who have master's degrees, who've had something traumatic happen in their life, and they've They've kind of fallen off in whatever their 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 career path might be, and going to a clubhouse helps build their confidence, skills, make them feel more comfortable with getting out there again. And we have folks that that come to our clubhouses who've had twenty to thirty psychiatric hospitalizations, and they they stop. They may have dropped out of school, uh, dropped out of college, and the clubhouse is a place for reentry into the world again by being around people you don't know. It can be. Uh, somewhat intimidating when you first come, but a, but a, what, our clubhouse is a really welcoming, dignified, respectful place. So I always encourage potential referral sources is don't give it much thought about thinking, is this the right place for this person? Give them the opportunity to check it out themselves. And, and, and then they can decide, nah, it's not my cup of tea or yeah, this is a pretty cool place. I want to give it a shot. Uh, to de to not let them at least see it and experience for themselves, I think is a mistake because that's not empowering the person to really give it their own kind of kick the tire sniff test and see if this place is a, a place that they feel welcomed in and a place that they feel that they can um, feel comfortable coming out of themselves again and not just sitting at home, um, 
wondering what it could have should about their life, but really having a, an opportunity um, to actualize what it could have should into whatever their interests are. Absolutely. I like what you said about just giving it a chance coming in and, you know, trying it out because it's it's so different than what people are used to. And and within the clubhouse, there are so many um, different things you can do and ways to grow. And um, I think that when you start coming to the clubhouse, you start to feel different about yourself too. You start to rebuild, you know, things that you might've lost touch with over the past. And, um, it's, it's just an amazing place. And I know me personally, I've even gone to my therapist, my psychiatrist and been giving out, you know, cards saying, Hey, you know, I have this amazing place that I go to. I'd love if your other clients could go to, you know, so um, I've seen the initiative change with new members as well. How did you get your career started with Clubhouse International? Well, prior to starting work at Clubhouse International, I was I was involved with starting and getting connected to the first Clubhouse here in Hawaii uh, back in the late 80s. I got hired into a Clubhouse called uh, Friendship House here on the island of Kauai, where I live. And I didn't know what a clubhouse was then. My history prior to that was as a case manager. Um, I'm originally from Ohio. I've been living here in Hawaii 34 years. Uh, and when we when we moved out here, I heard about this place and heard they had a job opening. And when I when I walked into the, the clubhouse, it, it had only been open a couple months, but it really felt like how I like to work with people, focusing on what they can do, not what they can't do, and really looking at people's strengths, talents, and abilities, not not their disability. And it had that feel to it. So I got hired as a clerical unit worker. And I was like, what's a unit? And I didn't know any of that kind of stuff. Uh, but I, I slowly got to know the um, international standards and was a part of this startup clubhouse. Uh, I worked there 13 years. Uh, my niche became job development. I was really um, fortunate to be able to help a lot of our members get jobs in the community. And I remember in our first year of operation, we got 11 referrals from the Department of Vocational Rehabilitation. And these were folks that they said weren't really job ready, but needed socialization. And and they, they didn't think they could get them employment. And in our first year of of opening, we got nine of those out of those eleven members jobs in the community with in our first year of operation, and that opened up a lot of eyes across the state of Hawaii. And I eventually became the director, worked there thirteen years, and then got hired by Clubhouse International twenty years ago. And um, the work that we did in that very first clubhouse has now resulted in replication. There's nine clubhouses uh, here in the state of Hawaii, and I, I really think that the the two biggest factors for that replication were due to the employment success that we had and also the cost reduction in hospital recidivism. Um, we are saving the community big dollars in less emergency room usage. Uh, not only the amount of psychiatric hospitalizations reduced, but the duration of those reduced too. And so we were, we were doing some good things, but I, I was interested in, in really trying to work on a more global level uh, with expanding clubhouses and, and working with a larger international organization. And fortunately, they, they hired me 20 years ago, so I've been working with uh, Clubhouse International since then. That's amazing. 
No, I know with the the clubhouse uh, model, we have transitional employment. Um, I was wondering if you could tell our viewers a little bit on uh, what transitional employment is and how it works. Sure. So basically, bottom line is we more we just about triple the national average in the United States of people with mental illness going to work. Uh, if you look at the NAMI statistics, those are like 15 to 18 percent uh, of people uh, returning to work. And in the average daily attendance of an accredited clubhouse, over 42 percent of those people are returning to paid jobs in the community. So I'll start with that. The way that clubhouses do it is they have a three-tiered sophisticated employment system. You asked specifically about transitional employment. These are entry-level positions for people who don't have a long work history and maybe going into their first job or haven't worked for a really long time. These are transitional, meaning that they're time-limited from six to nine months, and they're basically entry-level positions to give people a chance to get working build their competence and skills, and help build a resume to, to eventually find a job that they might want as a career path. So while many of us have had five or six or 10 jobs through our teen years and early 20s and kind of figure out what I like and what I don't like, oftentimes uh, a person's mental illness interrupts that process. And so folks don't have that kind of experience to figure that out. So transitional employment is structured so that people have these part-time jobs where they go in and get they get paid the same wage as anybody else, and they're expected to perform the same duties. The staff from the clubhouse will initially learn the job, help train the person on the job. And here's a cool, unique factor of transitional employment. We guarantee no absenteeism to any employer that we have a transitional employment placement to. And folks will be like, how do you do that? How can you guarantee that? Well, we guarantee that because we typically train there's two staff that train on the job, and it's a member of sick for whatever reason, uh, has an appointment, can't make it to work that day or whatever. It's usually not a big deal. But if they're absent, the staff fills in for them at no extra cost to the employer. Where else can you get a guarantee that the job will get done no matter what? No other model does that other than the clubhouse model. And so members have the sort of like the backing and the confidence of the clubhouse to help them out if they need some extra support. The employer doesn't have to waste time and money and resources interviewing people, posting ads, doing things through Indeed. They work with their local clubhouse to help find members that the clubhouse finds and helps train them, helps support them on the job, fills in for them if they're, if they're absent for whatever reason. And at the end of that nine, 10 month period, They'll look to transition another member into that position, helping the members coming off the placement to either do another TE if they want to or find a permanent supported employment or independent employment job. So in a nutshell, TE is a really good entry pathway for people who have experienced a mental illness, and it's a win-win for employers because they get good workers who want to be there and also are eager to get a paycheck, become a part of a team, and there's the backing of the clubhouse behind it. It's a great deal. Having that part of transitional employment where the clubhouse staff will work for the member if they're absent is really beneficial, both for the clubhouse member and the employer. Oftentimes, absences from work due to appointments and mental health-related things can cost the person with the mental health disorder their job. Transitional employment fills that gap and breaks down the stigma of people with mental health disorders working in the workplace. It certainly does that, Brandon. And it also, sometimes employers are leery. They're like, oh, it's a mental health program. What do you guys do? And um, 
you're going to offer to cover this job, really? <laughs> and once they see it in action, they they don't normally see the staff um, filling in because the members are dedicated to the job. But to have that backup and know that somebody's going to be in helps solidify the employer wanting to engage in the relationship. And oftentimes, I've been a part of so many employer awards banquets where employers are given recognition in the community for working with the clubhouse. And uh, it's almost very happens this way all the time. The employer gets up there and gets the award and says, you're acknowledging my contributions to the community, but but we feel like we should be recognizing you, the clubhouse, because you've helped our, our place of employment be a better place of employment by having one of your members work at our business. So thank you. And we hear that from employers uh, so frequently. So it really is a win-win. If you're more curious about uh, how the employment program works. You can find out from our website or talk to your local clubhouse if you have one in your community. If you're an employer out there having a hard time finding staff, which we know is, is the real deal post-pandemic, really consider um, contacting your local clubhouse because they've got people who are ready, willing, and able to work. The word ceremony just shows how valued and accepted the clubhouse members are in that specific company. It sounds like a good work environment to work in. What is Clubhouse International and why is it important to long-term recovery? I mentioned earlier that Clubhouse International is the coordinating center for these 300 plus clubhouses in 32 countries. And I mentioned some of the areas that, that we work in, but it's important to long-term recovery because as you, as you said, it changed your life. Um, and we hear that over and over again. Having a unifying international body helps us as a movement become better well-known and helps grow interest in, in our work. Um, I, I really think that the clubhouse model meets all of us as human beings, a need as a human being to, to have a reason to get up in the morning and have purpose in our life. And I find that to be common in uh Tanzania, as I find it common in Pennsylvania, as I do in Japan. And Clubhouse International, with our array of supports for clubhouses and coordinating this um, sort of large family, if you will, really helps to make a difference in people's recovery efforts. Clubhouses are very gracious with sharing their resources, um, helping other startup groups to Say, hey, we tried this and it didn't work so well. If we had to do it again, we would do it this way this time. You hear a lot of that. And Clubhouse International kind of serves as a filter. We get over 100 emails a day just with operational questions, interest questions. And our Clubhouse community is wonderfully gracious at sharing their best practices and knowledge with each, with each other. And they do this. There's no commissions. There's no you know, sort of uh, <laughs> hidden fees that way. It's part and parcel of um, being a, a member clubhouse of Clubhouse International. And we also have, I think, is a good practice of responding within 48 hours to any inquiry that we receive, meaning if it's a phone call, email, Facebook message, you're going to get a response from us. And if the response, we have a, a lot of humility in our organization. We don't know all answers to all questions. But, so we have no hesitation to say, I don't know the answer to your question, but I think I know someone who does. Give me a day or two and I'll get in touch with someone else who I think has gone through with challenge you're experiencing it and we'll get you in touch with them. So it's, it's that kind of connectivity uh, that I think um, makes us um, unique and makes us real 
and makes us comfortable for people to feel um, associated with Clubhouse International. Uh, so that's who Clubhouse International is. And I think it's important for our clubhouses to have the backbone of an international organization to help with their own public awareness, advocacy, um, employer development, and other kinds of things. Our, our website is chock full of employment toolkits, wellness toolkits, other kinds of resources to help clubhouses uh, help their members with, with their individual recovery goals. What's the name of your website? It's pretty easy. It's www.clubhouseinternational.org. So it's all one word, clubhouseinternational.org. For anyone out there wanting to start a clubhouse, how do you go about starting a clubhouse? The best way to to do that is to educate yourself about what a clubhouse is. So if you have a loved one and you've heard about this thing, um, I would go to our website. We have lots of videos and articles. If you have a local clubhouse in your community, go visit it. Go give it your own SNP test. There's nothing like, a, like going and looking at it, having lunch there, seeing how the work order day operates having the opportunity to ask whatever questions you want. The key element in any clubhouse, in my view of working in this model for over 30 years, is the relationships in the clubhouse that occur in, in the, between members and staff, members and members. And you see that in person when you visit a clubhouse, much more than we can do talking about it. So I always encourage people to go see it. We've got nothing to hide. We encourage people to come and visit clubhouses. They always give chores. They encourage people to stay for lunch and get get a look-see at it. So visiting our website, going to see a local clubhouse, even if you Google mental health clubhouse, you'll see about 17 to 25 different videos. So looking at videos, downloading articles from our website, we have multiple conferences. Um, those are different ways to learn about a new clubhouse. And, and in starting a new clubhouse, we run a, a training. It's not a fancy name. It's just called New Clubhouse Development Training, and it's really about the infrastructure. So many times we're contacted by family members or social workers or interested potential members saying, how do we get one of these started in our communities? So while we have 12 international training centers that train the operations of a clubhouse, meaning they train transitional employment, they train the work order day, they train about relationships and all the standards. Before you can do that, you need infrastructure. You need a budget. You need a building. You need a director. You need funds to, in order to do that. So we have a, a new clubhouse development training that when we run it in person, it's a two-day training. When we run it virtually, we do it over three days over Zoom in four-hour blocks because of Zoom fatigue. We don't want to keep people on in an eight-hour Zoom call. But this is designed to help startup groups develop a detailed, organized action plan for developing a clubhouse in their community that's unique to their particular community. So how are you, are you going to be structured? Are you going to be a freestanding nonprofit entity? Are you going to be umbrellaed under a mental health center? How are you going to raise funds? Uh, who, are you, who are the people in the community that are the, the power players that you want to try to get on your board of directors or your startup group? So this training, we've run it with 126 groups over the last, since 2006. And our batting average, if you will, is 80%, meaning that eight out of 10 of the groups that come to that training, typically with no money, no budget, no infrastructure, 
have gone on to start and sustain clubhouses. So we feel pretty good that, you know, these are groups that typically don't come with um, anything in place, have, have really learned and taken this training seriously and developed an action plan. And we also assign a mentor to work with each of these groups for up to a year after the training at no additional cost to the training. To, these are usually monthly Zoom calls and emails in between to help them to achieve the goals and objectives that they've outlined in their action plan. So we feel like we're we're on to something pretty good here with our new clubhouse development training. So if you're a family member out there or a potential member of a clubhouse or, or a, uh, a therapist, counselor, psychiatrist thinking about this would be a pretty good program for many of my clients or patients, don't hesitate to contact us. Um, I'm usually the point of contact uh, for groups expressing interest in this, but we feel our training has a good success rate and we have training centers around the globe, five in the U.S. Um, we have three in Europe, one in Asia, one in Australia, two in Asia, one in Hong Kong, and one in South Korea, one in Australia, one in Canada, three in Europe, and five in the USA uh, that help train the operations. But um, know that there's support out there. You don't have to do this alone. It, it's a hard thing when you just think about, I'm one person. How do I do this? You, you don't have to be one person. We'll talk to you about engaging other people to form what we call a startup group. Because know that in your community, you're not the only one with a loved one or who has a mental illness. Um, part of our our big vision, Brandon, is like every every community has well-respected churches, boys and girls clubs, senior centers, things of that nature. Every community has people who have a mental illness. But not every community has a clubhouse. And so our, our, our bigger picture view is that every town and community should have a clubhouse for those reasons. And, and they, they have such a great impact on the community. So that's part of our sense of urgency in the work that we do and why we're so um, inspired to continue to do this work and any opportunity that we can have to share more about what a clubhouse is, what we do at Clubhouse International, we're more than happy to do so. So I want to thank you, um, and empower half hour for uh, having me join today. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit with you about what a clubhouse is and does and what the role and function is of Clubhouse International. Having that 80% success rate for Clubhouse startups from the course of starting a clubhouse is amazing. You mentioned churches and boys and girls clubs being in every community and how there should be a clubhouse in every community. And I completely agree. A big goal of ours, in addition to our expansion efforts, is um, public awareness. We feel like we're the best kept secret, and and but the best solution <laughs> that's out there. And so we, and when I say we, I don't, I don't mean this Clubhouse International. That we is all of our clubhouses. Uh, we all need to do a better job of letting people know who we are and what we do, and not be the best kept secret. So I think. That public awareness piece is a big piece, and we we, we don't don't want to be in the shadows. We don't want to be not known in our communities. But clubhouses need to branch out too of not thinking of themselves as just these small mental health programs in the community, but part of the fabric and vibrancy of their communities. Um, for example, joining a local Rotary Club, uh, forming a speakers bureau, and going out to your local chamber of commerce, Lions clubs, Kiwanis clubs church groups, civic groups, any kind of um, uh, sort of opportunity to spread the word, so to speak. Um, a clubhouse does not need to be shy about who they are and what they do. And high school counselors, university 
uh, disability counselors. I mean, it's wide ranging. So getting involved with podcasts, getting to know your local radio station, getting to know your local newspaper and getting the word out, I think will really help make a difference for people living with mental illness and help reduce the stigma that often accompanies uh, people who have a mental illness. I mean, my <laughs> the members at the clubhouse I used to work at knew my wife and kids. They knew my dog. Um, there was no like uh, secret about any of that stuff. Um, and so those traditional boundaries of uh, of mental health in in our work, anyways, um, don't really apply. Um, we're 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 proud to be affiliated with the clubhouse. I I remember being 13 years in a row. I I, I went down work helped run the Thanksgiving luncheon at the clubhouse and a lot of the members and staff and their families came and um and that really built uh there's a term here in Hawaii that is called ohana and ohana means family and i really think that clubhouses in and of themselves are kind of like second families or first families to many members but it's a larger international global family of like-minded people who want to affect change in the world and so um one of the best ways to do that is to make people more aware of what we do so uh, public awareness and, and getting out there more is helpful. Anasek at Roundtree is the name of our director of communications. And if anybody wants any information on some of the accomplishments, some of the research, any of that kind of stuff, you can go to our website um, or contact Anasek at Roundtree and she'll give you a whole bunch of information. Uh, we're ready, willing, and able to provide resources to people to educate them about what we do and how to do it. And as you said right at the beginning of the podcast, that your clubhouse changed your life. We hear that frequently, along with this clubhouse changed my life and saved my life. And that makes this work so much more important. The clubhouse model is so unique. I actually started going to the Miracle Clubhouse right after I graduated from high school. I knew nothing about the clubhouse model or clubhouses in general until the local NAMI recommended it to me. Since I've been going to the Miracle Clubhouse, it seems like every day we've done something to spread the word about Clubhouse. Just to let people know that we are here and we are a resource to the community. Yep, Miracle Clubhouse rocks. We encourage people, go see it. <laughs> Definitely. It's a good asset in the community. How do you think Clubhouse International can help make a change during the mental health epidemic we are having as a result of the COVID pandemic? I think we already have, and we need to continue to do so. I think one of the um, one of the members of the Clubhouse that I, I actually jog with in the morning, he said something to me early on when the pandemic first started that kind of stuck with me. And, and he, he said, Jack, you know, I live with severe depression and I know what isolation and loneliness is about. That's my wheelhouse. I've lived with that my whole adult life. And this pandemic is, is making other people experience a microcosm of what I've lived my whole life with. So in, in a sense, uh, I'm looking at it from a, a blessing in disguise kind of a, a thing where maybe more people will be more understanding of what a mental illness is because everybody's going through this sense of isolation and loneliness and our lives in upheaval. And my hope is that maybe that will help lessen the way that people think about people like me, uh, because I go through this all the time, whether there's a pandemic or not. And I thought that was really a, a, a sort of a aha kind of a moment. And, and so Clubhouse has really pivoted well during the pandemic with running virtual programming, um, 
doing also things like meal deliveries, helping members gain access to vaccinations. We didn't just stop and close our doors. Clubhouse has figured it out relatively quickly. And there actually was a, um, a paper produced by uh, Treatment Advocacy uh, Center that surveyed all of our clubhouses with what they did to help members during this time. And, and it really showed how the model was really effective with helping people uh, get up and running with getting tablets to members, upgrading their phones, making sure that the clubhouse is still accessible, it became kind of a clubhouse without walls. And so we know how to do that now. And so if there ever is a pandemic again, there's a lot of learning from that and a lot of virtual supports provided to clubhouses um, that we've learned from the pandemic. Uh, so it's been, um, I look at it as like, now there's federal dollars out there for more support for people with mental illness. I think that, that clubhouses need to be a part of that federal funding stream because they make such a difference in people's lives. So I'm looking at it as an opportunity to further grow our model and for the rest of society to kind of learn from clubhouses too on what we did to help people because I think there's lessons learned not just for clubhouses but for the general population about how meaningful and important it is to have connection. And that's what clubhouses do. So for all of us who've experienced a disconnection due to the pandemic, um, I think my buddy Bob um, said it best with his example of, um, uh, you know, having a lifetime of that kind of experience, but finding the clubhouse made a difference. And I'm hoping that, you know, more people in the general public will will kind of say, I went through some of this too, and it, I didn't feel good about it. And these are places that help people with a lifetime of struggles and that capacity to give them a leg up into society as well. It really seems that the clubhouses around the world really came together when everything else was shutting down. The clubhouses found a way to stay connected and continue to serve their members. How do you evaluate a clubhouse and how successful it is? We have a very objective measurable system to measure the success of a clubhouse and that's called accreditation. It's our quality assurance process where I spoke earlier about those 37 standards that encompass the international standards for clubhouse programs. So all of our clubhouses go through a, qual a peer review quality assurance process in which their compliance with the standards is measured and evaluated. Two unique things though about our accreditation process is that it isn't just an evaluation of compliance. Whenever we do an accreditation visit, we come chock full of ideas to consult with the clubhouse and help them improve. So it isn't just evaluative, it's also consultative, and it's intended to help the clubhouse help their members improve their lives. So it isn't just a series of check boxes of yes, they comply, no, they don't comply. It's an in-depth, detailed, on-site visit with two people, and here's the other unique aspect of it. The two people are a member and a staff from another accredited clubhouse who've completed a rigorous faculty training to join our faculty, and they do the quality assurance visit of a clubhouse. So when we talk about members being afforded leadership opportunities, being a part of the decision-making in a clubhouse, and really being empowered, we feel like we also walk that walk at Clubhouse International with our accreditation system and having not just staff, but members as well as part of a faculty team that conducts a thorough, objective evaluation of a clubhouse. And the reason why we know this is successful as well is that we've compared the outcomes of accredited members in accredited clubhouses to members in non-accredited clubhouses. And in 14 different areas of qualitative and quantitative measures, the outcomes are better for members in accredited clubhouses. 
Clubhouse accreditation pushes you to be become stronger and better and increase the variety of supports to your members. So things like employment, housing, school, uh, friendships, hospitalization, to all these kinds of measures. If you have a loved one, you're going to want to look for an accredited clubhouse for your son or daughter to join, and, and it'll make a difference in their lives. I've seen it happen over 30 years in this work, and that's how we know it's successful. To go through the stories that our members talk about, which I mentioned earlier, but also in an objective, measurable way that a funder will, can feel confidence in when they know that a clubhouse is undergoing the rigors of our accreditation process. So it's pretty much the big picture of the overall functioning of the clubhouse and how it impacts the members' overall quality of life. Sure. And if you're a government funder or you're part of a foundation looking at a variety of applications, you're hearing about a variety of causes, and that's very competitive to think, well, what are we going to fund and what are we not going to fund? You're going to want to know data. We're in a data-driven world right now, and you're going to want to know outcomes. And we deliver the outcomes. And so um, I always am trying to help clubhouses make the case. And also for funders, that's a fair enough argument to make. Like, how do I know this thing works? And, and why should I fund this? How do I know or can feel more confident that if we fund this clubhouse, that there's going to be a good return on our investment, whether it's a foundation, a government funder, um, and that's a fair enough question, and we should be held accountable to that. So we always tell clubhouses, too, and startup groups, if you're going to be a clubhouse, follow all of the standards. Don't cherry-pick different standards or try to be a part of a clubhouse, part of another psychosocial rehab model. Be a clubhouse model, and you'll, get, you'll, you'll see the difference in your members' lives. And we've seen that happen 300 times over in 32 different countries. So we feel like... Um, a funder deserves to know, what can I expect if I fund this clubhouse? And we can provide those answers to them uh, to help them feel more confident that this is a good investment on their part. Definitely. Um, can you go over a little bit about what the standards are, um, just for anyone that might not know what standards for the clubhouse would be? Yeah, these are written out. Um, they underlie the principles and beliefs of the clubhouse model. So standards or guidelines, if you will, there's 37 of them broken down into eight different categories in our model. They're on our website. We use them uh, with any startup groups. The first, I'll give one example, and that's the first standard of any clubhouse is membership is voluntary and without time limits. Now, that might sound simplistic on its surface, surface, but we want members to feel like they want to come to the, they want to be at the clubhouse. They shouldn't be forced or strong-armed into coming there, hence the voluntary nature. And the second part of that, without time limits, um, many times it's like, let's give them a medication or let's give them treatment in 60 days and out the door they go. In a clubhouse, we know that that's not just a quick linear sort of process. Um, Clubhouses are, are unique in that regard, and so members should feel like they can be a member for as long as they want, and they they decide when they if they don't want to be be a member anymore. So we get into the underpinnings of that. Like, is it truly voluntary, um, and is it without time limits? Um, so when we do an accreditation visit and ask a clubhouse questions about that, we're going to be asking members, do you feel like this is a place you can come and go as you please? What do you like about it? Is there any time? Like, do you have to come certain days or certain times, or is that restricted in any way? We want 
people to feel empowered to be there because they want to be there and they choose when they want to be there. So that's one standard of 37, but there's employment standards, there's community support standards, there's governance standards. And so those standards really are kind of the thing that you want to look at and get to know and think, hey, if I'm going to fund this or if I want my loved one to be connected up with this, that's the starting point is to look those over, read some articles about what a, how a clubhouse operates. But the standards are really the framework. And I believe all those standards are on Clubhouse International's website if, in case anyone wanted to look them over. Yep, clubhouseinternational.org. There's a, a button right there that says International Standards. Just click that on there and it'll pop right up. What do you want the viewers to know about the mental health recovery community? There's a great resource out there. We don't want to be the best kept secret. We want you to know who we are. And so we want your listeners to be more curious about how does this thing really work? And maybe uh, hopefully in this podcast, there, there might be a little interest in there. And so go to our website. You can, you can look at, there's a button up there that says find a clubhouse. You can see if there's one in your community. And if there is, call them up and say, hey, I heard about this and I'm interested in seeing it. Can I arrange a tour? I know somebody that might be interested in this. I'd like to get a look-see myself. Uh, don't be shy about it. Clubhouses aren't shy about showing off their, their clubhouse. We want, we want to make a difference in people's lives. Um, and our, our, the folks that we work with are adults who have a mental illness, and we feel like we have a really good resource out there. We want you to get to know it. We want you to use it. If you don't have one in your community, we can help you get started with one. And so we encourage that dialogue and welcome the opportunity to communicate with you further. Such great information and such great resources. Thanks, Jack. I hope today's interview sparked some interest in the Clubhouse model. If you or someone you know is dealing with the mental health disorder, let them know that there are Clubhouses out there. I'd like to thank our guest, Jack Yatsko, for taking time out of his day to join us. As always, for more information on the podcast, go to our Instagram page under Empower Half an Hour. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.